it's the only way that he can get out of this looking like he won, right? Yeah. Is by saying, well, look, I did the deal because I'm so good at deals, <laughs> but the deal was bad, so I'm going to bypass the deal by declaring an emergency. Then he can just blame the courts for telling him it's illegal, right? And he's like, well, I did everything I could. The problem, though, is we don't know that the courts will find it blatantly illegal. You know, uh, apparently the, the guidelines on what constitutes a national emergency have been more like guidelines than rules. Yeah. And the the Ninth Circuit is making some mouth noises about possibly holding it up. But if it makes it to the Supreme Court, which he has now stacked with lovers of Republican executive power at any rate, who knows if they'll say like, well, it's it's not our, you know, that's a political question and say that they don't have any jurisdiction to, to rule on it. He will need to put it in writing specifically like what the nature of the emergency is okay, and what he's going to do about it. And I just don't see him being able to do that in a way where the Supreme Court, you know, as stacked <laughs> with conservatives as it might be, there just seems like there's not going to be a way where even they are going to be able to be like, well, yeah, this seems right. Like, technically, you know, the president has powers. Sure. So, I don't know. I guess there's a way that they could. But John Roberts, at the least, seems like he's really kind of switched into protecting the integrity of the court mode. You know, now that he's got Kavanaugh and Gorsuch on there being total Trump stands. <laughs> He doesn't want the Roberts court to be the one that goes down in history as like the end of separation of powers uh, in, in the United States. Right. Yeah. He knows that that would be his legacy. And, and he knows that he has to kind of strategically push back on Trump so that it's not just like, oh, it's just the court that does whatever Trump says, because that's not the look they want, because they want to at least have the appearance of impartiality. So that when they do rule in favor of Trump, they can point to times where they didn't and say, well, hey, <laughs> right. you know, we're just impartial observers here. You know, we're not on one side or the other because they didn't do it literally 100 percent of the time. Yeah, And this sure. seems like a, an easy one to do, right? To just say, look, it's clear that this is not an emergency. Like an emergency is not a thing that you do after you were president for two years that you decided not to pursue in your first two years right it, it, it's not it's certainly not a thing that for literally like two or three months now you say if this doesn't go my way <laughs> then it'll be a national emergency i mean he's been he's been floating this idea literally for months at this point we had a whole government shutdown over it before and he could have done the national emergency thing then if he'd wanted to i mean just imagine if trump was smart i mean he could totally fake an emergency, bring up some sort of scenario where, um, you know, like with the caravan or something like that, right? Yeah. To say, hey, this is the emergency, right? But he didn't do the groundwork to have something in place to precipitate this emergency other right. than his failure to get his preferred legislation through Congress. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's what Noam Chomsky warned about uh, in the run up to the 2016 election. It was like Trump is totally the kind of guy who would he would do one of those like wag the dog style. We're going to film or 
otherwise fake some sort of emergency at the border. And that's how I'll justify a national emergency and, and build the wall. Right. I mean, he was down in El Paso doing his wall rally where he unveiled his two new slogans, which one is hashtag finish the wall. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah. They had like big banners out and stuff. It's not build the wall anymore because like we've already built a lot of it. Now we just have to, you know, finish the job. (laughs) So now it's like finish the wall. It's such a bad message because also it just seems like could easily co-opt that on the other side and be like, yeah, let's finish this whole notion. finish the fucking wall. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that there's going to be a fucking wall. There literally is not. Yeah. Then he also unveiled that the GOP put out a commercial where he was like, hashtag stronger together with bipartisanship. Oh, great. Literally straight up wholesale stealing the Hillary Clinton (laughs) slogan. It's pretty amazing. Hashtag finished liquid flannel has been trending on Twitter. I'm hoping that they mean that in the the sense of we should continue this show and see it through to the end and not just put me, Matthew Hodges, in Arlington, Texas, and my co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brennan Williams, in body bags and disappear us. I think they mean it like finish, like you go to finishing school to become a a proper princess. You know, that's just what they want. They just want to polish us up, smooth off those jagged edges. Not to knock any of our comrades, but I do think that we have a slightly higher production value than than most of the other, uh, like, hobbyist leftist podcasts out there. Well, when it's me and you, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you throw in some additional people in there, you never know what you're going to get. Not everybody, it turns out, in the leftist Twitter podcasting world has a professional quality studio. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it can get dicey, but but we see it through. What's uh what's going on, man? Happy Valentine's Day, first of all. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. We're recording on the 14th. Uh hope everybody had a chance to enjoy our episode with uh Mac from Left Coast Media talking about love stories and science fiction. I thought that was a lot of fun. We like Mac. We're going to have a love fest as well, covering just some of the, the wild news. If we're going to go with the uh, the love route, I wanted to talk about this article that came out from the Kansas State Legislature. Apparently, they have passed a bill or proposed a bill. I'm not sure it's passed yet, where they have decided that LGBT ideology constitutes a secular religion. And so, under the First Amendment's Establishment Clause, prohibiting uh, too much government interference in the practice of religion, they've decided that it would be unconstitutional for them to recognize gay marriage in Kansas, because that's the government getting too much into religion. The logic is, is so twisted. I struggle to comprehend the thought process behind it. I mean... Talk about an argument in bad faith. <laughs> right. It, it's 100% abundantly clear that they don't actually believe this to be true, but yet I guess they feel like they've exhausted all other argumentative options. <laughs> this is the only thing they have. So this is from the bill, 
Whereas the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning community is organized and has a daily code by which members may guide their daily lives, which makes it a denominational sect that is inseparably part of the religion of secular oh, humanism. Hold on. Citation needed. I'm going to insert <laughs> right. a site. Where, where is the, like, daily... They're basically saying, like, the gay agenda is real and all gays follow it every day. <laughs> right. Like, where, what is it that they could possibly be referring to? Are they just talking yeah, about, that? like, new I mean, episodes of Drag Race or something? Like, I don't, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's Drag Race. It's, uh, it's HGTV. Um, <laughs> Queer Eye Season 3, starting in March, you know, it clearly <laughs> right. shows every day that they say, maybe iron your shirts, you know, every day when they're ironing. <laughs> You're just like, this is my religion now. Yeah, I'm not sure the the queer community has one of those like weekly mailers or anything that I'm pretty sure they're not all on the same mailing list. I don't even know how you would administer such a thing. Gay Twitter fact of the day or something like that, that they're like, well, that there's the one right there. You know, that's clearly like their Ten Commandments. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, they're always going to Lady Gaga concerts. That's like church. That's like a church right there. They're just mad about like queer Twitter, uh, like cancel culture. <laughs> Even though their argument makes absolutely no sense, if you take it to its logical conclusion, basically they're saying a non-religious gay person is a religion. Right. And because it's a religion, the government shouldn't get involved with religion. So the government recognizing gay marriage is illegal because that's the government weighing in on like a religious determination. But it seems like that would also apply to non-gay marriages that the government also recognizes. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're specifically leaning on um, court cases that have interpreted the Establishment Clause of the First. Like, the, the government can't involve itself in anything that's religious, where either the government is uh, submitting the religious thing to undue influence or the religious thing is submitting the government to undue influence. That's why, um, for instance, uh, like parochial schools, uh, the government has to be pretty much hands off because the policies of religious, you know, private schools or whatever would be exerting an undue influence on, uh, on government. Uh, and, and you're 100% right. By their own logic, it seems like they just made all marriage illegal in the state of Kansas. You know, this reminds me, you know, back when the gay marriage debate was still happening and not was uh, just something that right wing reactionaries of Kansas uh, were throwing up as like a desperate grab for attention. <laughs> when right. it was an actual debate that people were happening, this actually was one of the late stage arguments that I remember the right subverting to is that they were saying, OK, like you got us. Gay marriage is a thing, but marriage is a religious thing, and so the state should just get out of the marriage business entirely, civil unions for everybody, and then if you want to get, quote, married, you have sure. to find a church, and like, our churches aren't going to let gays get married, but if you find some crazy church out there that'll let you get gay married, you know, go nuts, people. I guess it's kind of an extension of that argument. Which actually would have worked fine, right? The argument for gay marriage recognized by the state is that you're discriminating against people on religious grounds. If you completely took religion out of what we call marriage, then the government wouldn't be discriminating against anybody. And it would just come down to, you just need to find, 
you know, a, a recognized ordained organization to give you, you know, whatever you want to call marriage at that point. Otherwise, the state's just going to grant you a license. Without religion, what is marriage except for, uh, like, tax purposes? As far as the government is concerned, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a legal contract of shared property, and, you know, there, there's all kinds of implications. Shared property, visitation rights, yeah, sure. And again, they used to, like, pass around those, uh, like, back when, the, back when the gay marriage debate was still in full swing, they would pass around those flyers that were like, here's the 300, you know, rights, uh, government rights associated with marriage. You know, like you can file the joint tax return. You get automatic probate with the will and, you know, all the hospital visitation and, you know, pleading the fifth, you know, to not testify against your spouse in court, you know, all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. My my point is, though, that uh, without the religious element, there's really no reason to discriminate against any two consenting adults who want to enter into that kind of a contract that grants those rights. Well, Matt, that sounds like uh, Sharia law to me, <laughs> and we don't stand for that around here, unless it is a religion that I happen to be right. And right. then I'm actually like, well, yeah, of course, that just makes, that's just common sense. <laughs> I call that common sense. It's different than Sharia law. Here's the icing on the cake, uh, the gay marriage cake. They have also recognized what they're calling an elevated marriage. Uh, under state law... Oh, like an elevator marriage? That's where you get married in a... <laughs> no, that, that would be cool. No, this is like this is like a super-duper marriage. It's like you're extra, like, religiously married. Oh, and man. Crap. Don't invent that, because then my wife's going to want to do that, because <laughs> you don't want to have your marriage Well, it comes with this whole like... oath about, you know, we do solemnly declare that marriage is a commitment between a man and a woman who agree to live together as husband and wife so long as they both may live. We've chosen each other carefully and disclosed to one another everything which could adversely affect the decision to enter into this marriage. Marriage is intended to be for life, for better or worse, richer or poor, in sickness and in health, and then goes on to just allow divorce anyway. So I'm not sure what this, you know, this extra, this elevated marriage is supposed to even signify, except just kind of a slap in the face to the gay community or to placate. Christians, you know, I mean, are they still feeling like like gay marriage somehow diminishes their marriage? At this point, it seems like, you know, especially with Trump in office, the whole anti-gay marriage push from the Republican Party is pretty much non-existent. Like there is really not any longer like like they're certainly not pursuing it in any meaningful way. Because they know that it's indefensible and they're not going to win any, like, everybody who's voting Republican is already going to be voting Republican. There's not people who are like, well, I used to vote Republican, but then it turned out they weren't serious about gay yeah. marriage enough. So I stopped voting for them, you know. Now, now, now I it's true. It's the anti-gay It's hard to imagine like that. that too many people would come out of the woodwork if they decided to reignite that culture war. But who knows? I mean, Trump got amazing turnout. Uh, in the 2016 election by bringing up, you know, like racist issues that everyone thought were at least, you know, if not gone, then at least like shoved under a rock. Well, yeah. And they're still trying to not only in Kansas, but in Tennessee. So did you see this, that there's some guy uh, in proposing uh, a bill in the Tennessee state Senate that would clarify the Supreme Court's decision on gay marriage in 
Obergefell versus Hodges. No, no relation. Unauthoritative, yeah. void, and right. of no effect. So basically, the, <laughs> to have the state of Tennessee just be like, we just don't recognize the authority of the Supreme yeah. Court. That right. makes a lot of sense, for sure. Like, that's a, that's a yeah, law that's, that's going that's places. Yeah, that's a thing that we do in this country now. Well, uh, apparently North Carolina is doing something fairly similar. Uh, what's interesting is that all of these bills have very similar language in them about the religion of secular humanism. Um, at least the Kansas and the North Carolina one both refer to queer marriage as parody marriages. Somehow recognizing <laughs> that uh, the gay agenda is a sec- is part of the religion of secular humanism, but then saying the marriages don't count because they're parody because they're secular humanist. They're making fun of us by getting married, but also it's a real religion. But it, they're but it's also just because they're making fun of us, and we don't. Like yeah, them. exactly right. And my question is: Are these bills being pushed by like one group who think that they've found? You know, it's like the uh, sovereign citizen thing. They think they've found some loophole in constitutional law that lets them do this. Or did one state? introduced legislation like this and a bunch of other god botherers in in other states go like oh that that looks smart to me let's write our own bill that's almost exactly the same and can you imagine the people who the recognition of your marriage by the federal government became a state's rights issue um you know i guess tennessee thinks that like people like straight people would come flocking to tennessee where their marriage can be real you know without (laughs) the presence of any gay parody marriages weakening it. <laughs> but yeah, just the, the delicious irony of the same people who are still pushing anti-gay marriage agenda on the Republican Party in the most ineffectual way as just showboating how conservative and how committed to deep Christian values while supporting like a three-time married president who cheated on every wife he's ever had, sure. illegally paid hush money to porn stars, um, you know that's the type of sanctity of marriage that they're totally cool with, you know. Yep. But two committed hey, it people was straight, of the though. same it was gender, all right? You know, <laughs> adopting foster children of you know multiracial uh, ethnicity. Uh, you know, right. I just can't believe that they would just defile the face of Jesus, you know, in that way with their, you know, mutual love. It's <laughs> it's just sickening. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been the joke for a long time, right? That it's it's bonkers that conservative Christians don't want more gay people to get married because that means that they're just they're married and in a committed relationship at that point, which takes away like. 90% of the complaints that conservatives have about gay people <laughs> that they're, you know, that they're promiscuous and hedonistic and, and all this, you know, like, why, why not let them all get married? And then they can all just be boring married. My bigger concern is that this kind of legislation is intended the same way that, say, like Ohio's heartbeat bill is intended to make its way to the Supreme Court. And they're going to try their luck again. And I'm not trying to compare it directly to... Uh, say Roe v. Wade, but Obergefell stands on relatively shaky ground uh, constitutionally. Um, it's it's recognized sexual orientation equality is now recognized as the law of the land under the Fourteenth Amendment, but it's kind of a wishy washy recognition, and it was a split decision, and I am kind of 
I'm kind of nervous about what happens if somebody does sue and it goes to the Supreme Court. Now that you have Gorsuch and Kavanaugh um, kind of bolstering the ranks and seeing if Obergefell does get overturned. I think that might be the end game here. I guess it's technically possible, but God, you know, I almost would love to see it happen just because I just want to see what the argumentation strategy of the right would be in such a case because it's such a difficult case to try to prove that gay marriage is, you know, somehow harming someone, right? Like, who is the person in the case that could bring this case to say, I am the victim of gay marriage? Yeah, sure. I, I guess standing is kind of the the difficult thing. Um, so, I mean, that's that's why they have to do it this way, right? They have to... They have to make a law that actually does actively harm someone, in this case, gay couples, um, who will then sue. They would have standing to sue. And then it gets up to the Supreme Court. Um, but if that happens, I think uh, Liquid Flannel needs to put out a call to any attorneys that listen to the show or, you know, adjacent to the the people who do follow the show. That We need we need all the, the weird Twitter lefties, the old cast of Mike Dicta. Um, and we can just write a big amicus brief and say, like, actually, this Kansas bill is great because it makes all marriage illegal uh, and have have them have to argue that in the Supreme Court. I think it'd be great. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if the eventual outcome of their fight to defend traditional marriage from gay marriage ended in? the government just declaring all marriages completely void in <laughs> right, the eyes yeah. of the law. <laughs> Victory at last! <laughs> Property contracts for everyone Gay or straight, come on and join the fun As long as you're monogamous You're entitled to tax benefits Property contracts for everyone. Well, I mean, say what you want about uh, our our one-eyed ghoul in Congress from Texas, uh, Dan Crenshaw, uh, but he did turn me on to this amazing video. Is that your congressman? Nah, no, he's oh, not. Oh, he's where, just in it. He okay, that would be yeah. amazing. Oh, he's from Houston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he tweeted uh, out this, uh, retweeted a video from uh, Mark Walker of North Carolina. North Carolina getting a lot of shout-outs on the show tonight. Um, that's, uh, that's about how the Green New Deal is basically fire Festival, which I, that's, a, that's a bold claim. And I think that... Uh, what we're gonna do is we'll just uh, we'll just watch the video and we'll go through it uh, point by point here. So you ready to start? Yeah, I'm right. ready to start. Okay, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's play this here. All right. There's some some voiceover about how experience defies expectations. These beautiful shots of nature, and then there's like a huge rave. Uh, it says, "Welcome to the Green New Deal." A, a socialist, socialist utopia. <laughs> Which, uh, for one thing, Fire Festival was not a socialist utopia. In fact, it was one of the most brazen and awful examples of unfettered capitalism ever. Like, zero accountability. All of it was done for profit. I can definitely see how, 
you know, conservative Republican Congress people would vaguely be aware of the concept of fire festival as a music festival (laughs) (laughs) that like just didn't go well and then immediately just think like oh yeah like you know it was like woodstock or whatever right it's just full of environmentalist hippies (laughs) and of course it failed because you know hippies can't run anything because they don't know how to business right like me (laughs) um you know not realizing that it was, you know, run as like a capitalist exploitation of not only like bilking the rich people who overpaid for tickets, but then completely exploiting like the labor of like everybody in the freaking Bahamas or whatever that had to like, um, you know, assemble the tents and stuff like that and then not get paid. Never get paid. They yeah. Get money. I mean, do do the Republicans think that there haven't been any documentaries about fire festival that have been super popular lately <laughs> and everybody knows exactly what the story is there. Uh, I also like that they, they keep using these shots of like massive raves and, you know, dance parties and, and music performances uh, that are obviously just like stock footage from South by Southwest or something, because nobody actually went on stage at fire festival. Did they? Like, there wasn't a single moment of, like, everybody standing around partying with a bunch of lights going or anything. I don't think they ever got to that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 it seems like they really, they clearly don't understand what they're saying, but they definitely want to get in on the on the trending fire festival this is a, a how do from, you like, do three weeks kids. ago. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they're a little late. All right, so, so we go on to the next, uh, okay. Access to nature is the next thing that they oh, which is horrible. I people yeah, hate that. People jumping into the ocean and going scuba diving along reefs that are, you know, still alive and not dead. They're like fish. It's almost like they're admitting that having like a well cared for environment contributes meaningfully to the economy through tourism. Uh, yeah, um, or just simply that having an ocean that isn't a soup of, like, deadly plankton and nothing else, like, may contribute to people's quality of life in innumerable ways. Um, all right, going on. Ban all the airplanes. This was definitely a really great attack line on the Green New Deal because um, everybody loves air travel. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> So and uh, so many yeah. people can afford it these days, right? Which is it's just so funny that they're able to just take the the Green New Deal provision, which just says, "Hey, if we invest in high speed rail, it's more energy efficient and more cost effective, and it would reduce the stress on you know the existing air infrastructure, and you know maybe." you know, they could actually be a lot less flights, which are actually horrible for the environment when right. they're just burning hundreds of millions of tons of jet fuel. Well, and they'll turn around and talk about, you know, like, look at all the hours that Al Gore has spent in the air. Like, all these all these liberal, socialist, commie fucker uh, Democrats, like, they fly all the time and then go, like, oh, what, you want to get rid of air travel? Like, you, you got to pick one. I mean, you don't if you're okay with <laughs> right. being a hypocrite, but... But just the, the idea that maybe you could take, like, a train 
from, like, let's say, like, Washington, D.C. to New York or something like that. Or, like, um, you know, I think Joe Biden used to do it from, like, Pennsylvania to D.C. or whatever, like, every freaking day or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, And then that would make it so that, you know, that all airlines somehow go bankrupt because no airline ever flies to, like, a different country or anything <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> where we could just build a, you know, build a, build a high speed rail to London, you know? And, and you know, it's that's, like the channel. They did that. Come on. Yeah, what, sure. How hard could it be? Underwater trains. We've, we've got that technology. We've had it for 30 years at this point. The, the just the attack that they're saying, Oh, the green new deal would make, make, uh, you know, airports illegal or something as an honest argument that anybody should take seriously. It's pretty laughable. Yeah. All right. On to the next point here. Uh, paychecks for the unwilling to work. Now, I'm not sure if that's a, a fair criticism of the Green New Deal. It's absolutely a fair criticism of Fire Festival, though, because pretty much everybody who went to Fire Festival was like non-working, you know, scions of massive family fortunes. Like, what's that thing that like rich people have? Where um, they like just get money and they don't have to work because their their parents are rich, right? Yeah, is that to me? It kind of almost seems like it's a it's like a paycheck for someone who's not willing <laughs> to work. Like, I guess I guess I don't I wouldn't know because like that didn't happen to me. But it seems like that does happen to some people, and that's kind of what it is. So I guess they're admitting that that's a bad idea. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, uh, whoever produced this video at least has been paying attention to kind of how the wind is blowing, because at least on that line, and most of the other, like, scare lines, you know, the the, the really scary quotes, um, they're not showing anybody except for, like, white girls who all look like Taylor Swift, and <laughs> that could have gone way uglier, and I'm sure they wanted to do that, and somebody was like, ah, maybe we don't want, like you know, like, black partygoers right after the line, like, people unwilling to work. Right. Where it's like, man, it wouldn't... It, to me, it seems like if the Democrats could grow a spine, it would actually be difficult to argue against this idea. Because, you know, isn't it a better world if, you know, your basic needs are provided for and you know, then the work you do can be meaningful work regardless of its profitability. Um, Because right now, what they're saying is like, hey, we don't want to pay people who are unwilling to work. But what willing to work means sometimes is like going out and like running scams. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like that's the work that they want to support, right? Is like robocalling you. Like, yeah, sure, you know, it's a paycheck. Like, all that stuff that people do, like, um, you know, freaking, like, posting Instagram ads or whatever. Eleanor Um, from The Good Place, uh, just working at a, uh, like, some some call center where you're selling, like, fraudulent health supplements to elderly people. Right, and everybody that we know, now, you get these calls on your cell phone, and if you answer them, it's just like, hey, 
you know, I'm an insurance scam and I'm trying to scam you or like, <laughs> right. you know, it's hi, I'm the IRS. Like, please give me your social security number or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, those those have even gotten even better, right? Because it's like. Uh, you have three charges pending against you in this county. Like, in order to clear this up so you don't actually get prosecuted, um, go and buy, like, a $50 Amazon gift card and mail it to us, you know? <laughs> like, imagine if we could go to those people running those scams and be like, well, how much do you make off this scam? Like, you know, 50 bucks a day or whatever? Like, you, you know what? Just have this and leave me the fuck alone. Right. <laughs> like, just have the 50 bucks and then just stop calling me, please. Like, fucking sit in your house you know, play Xbox all day or whatever, do whatever you want. Just leave me the fuck alone. Yep. Isn't that a better world for everybody? <laughs> it's a win-win to me. All right. Next, next point here. Taylor Swift. Ah, kill off all the cows. Now you had a, had a pretty smart observation on this. <laughs> right. So yeah, one of the things in the, in the green new deal that they did not like, and this is, this is bringing it back to the Midwest. Cause this lit the Midwest up. They were incensed. We got a lot of cows out here. Yeah, someone could suggest that we have too many cows. You know, not enough cows. That's what they said. You know, what's the cow to Pearson ratio? 10 to 1? We want it to be 100 to 1. (laughs) So many cows that we just can't even breathe because of all the cow shit. You know how (laughs) we like it out here. Um, We just want, you know, there's just not enough cow shit in the drinking water, and we need that to stop. You know, we need to start getting real about environmentalism out here. So, you know, part of the argument is, hey, you know, farmers and ranchers are incentivized to, you know, overload on all these cows, and it's just absolutely terrible for the environment in every aspect of you know, the cattle ranching. Yeah, terrible for the cows, too. You know, crammed into uh, horrible, inhumane conditions and force-fed grain until their stomachs rupture. Uh, Contributing to uh, ridiculous... uh, uh, Fuck. Drug... um, What the fuck? Penicillin is one of them. What word am I looking for? Oh, the antibiotics? Contributing to horrible antibiotic resistance... Uh, because these cows get so sick that they have to overdose them with antibiotics, which is creating like, you know, MRSA and horrible, like, uh, you know, penicillin resistant strains of strep that are getting into the human population and killing people. Right. And just think of all of the land, you know, that is destroyed by, you know, overfeeding, you know, all these feedlots. Like if you've ever driven her out in the country, you know, in Nebraska, You've seen this, and it's it's a fucking mess. Like no one wants to be around. This. Oh yeah, I, I lived um, in I lived in liberal Kansas for uh, quite a while, and it has one of the biggest of the beef packing plants run by National Beef, and it, you know exactly which direction the wind is blowing on any given day without having to go outside because either you have fresh air or everything smells like just horrible pools of cow shit right well and the the funniest part to me too is that you know trump's out there and the republicans are out there with all this like tariff scaremongering nonsense but most of these cows that they're raising are like getting shipped to china so that they can like have mcdonald's because you know we popularize mcdonald's so much uh you know in you know the overseas markets that you know now there's this huge appetite for like the american beef uh, you know, feeding all these fast food things that are now global. Um, so we're destroying our environment so that we can ship 
hamburgers to McDonald's in China. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and and the same thing with uh, like soybean tariffs. You know, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the corn that we grow, a lot of the soy, um, all of these uh, all these grain commodities are actually just going to feed cows. Meanwhile, we have a massive hunger problem right here in the United States alongside an obesity problem. And both of these things are recognized by the government as being issues that you could probably settle if you could redirect people's diets away from eating so much red meat and turn some of that land into a more uh, reconstructive, like regenerative agriculture that's going to feed people a much healthier and more diverse diet. Well, right. And I think to me, the argument comes down to sustainability too, right? Like the idea on the right is, you know, no bigger, better, more everything forever. Damn the consequences. You know, who cares about future generations? Who cares if this is a sustainable model for the long-term economic best interest of, you know, the state, the Midwest, the country, everything. Screw it, all that. We just want to get as much as we can right now. And it's just not a sustainable way to live. Absolutely. The idea that they would argue against this by saying, well, liberals want to kill all the cows. It's like, dude, that's what, that's what you do with cows. That's what, (laughs) that's the point of having the cows is to, is to kill all the cows. You kill them and then you eat them. Like, so to say like, I can't believe libs want to kill the cows. It's like, no, what? That's what you, that's what you want to do. That's why you have all the cows. Tell them that we're just going to have like one giant Jubilee barbecue. We are going to kill all of the cows, but we also have to eat all of that meat. Like right now, like, Giant national holiday. Everybody gets to eat beef. All right, going on to the next one. No more gas-powered cars. Now, that's a that's an interesting insight into the conservative mindset, right? Like, the idea that... it The Green New Deal doesn't say no more cars. It just says no more gas-powered cars. And you did see some people, uh, you know, some, some MAGA hat-wearing chuds tweeting like, uh, stock photos of like old muscle cars and stuff uh, going like, come and take these away from me, libs. Like, well, we can get on your hard drive because that's the only place they exist is like in your head. But like, how is having to constantly purchase gasoline like part of the conservative identity at this point? You can right. make and cool it- cars that run on other forms of electricity, on other forms of energy. Right. Well, and even like, you know, what is like a, what is a gas powered car even like, what about biodiesel? You know, there, there's, sure. there's weird stuff out there. Um, there's like freaking, um, how, what's that like ethanol or whatever? Like they have like E85, which is like 85% made out of freaking corn right. or whatever. I mean, there's, there's other things out there, but I think that's the way it's going anyway. Right. Like, I don't even know that they necessarily have to like legislate this because that just seems where, the need for cars and the demand for cars is going to be going in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if, you know, under the Green New Deal, we're going to have a massive investment in uh, renewable energy infrastructure. That just means that the the price difference between electricity and gasoline is going to get worse and worse. And people are just going to make, you know, a market based decision to switch over to a car that has batteries instead of one that has internal combustion. It's so funny. I love when people argue against like electric cars and stuff by saying, 
Well, just imagine, you know, the infrastructure that it's going to take. Like, it's just, it's unreasonable to expect, like, you would have to completely overhaul, you know, society to build some sort of, like, charging stations everywhere. And then, you know, how are you going to get electricity to those charging stations? It's like, man, if you if you did not have gas stations right now and someone said, like, all right, here's the plan. Like, everyone needs to put a liquid in their car like every every couple hours <laughs> right. or whatever like people would be like this is nuts we got to have like dangerous like explosive filled trucks you know <laughs> right. rolling yeah. down the highway like this is the most ludicrous idea I mean, anyone has ever had it's a trope in science fiction like when people from the future go back to the past and they're like oh my god i can't believe they're they're literally just driving bombs around like how did nobody have a problem with this yeah no it, it's totally nuts uh and it's like it doesn't even need to, like I said, it doesn't even need to be legislated. I mean, this isn't something that the Democrats even probably need to really push on because, yeah. like, I feel like we're already past the tipping point of when, like, every car company now is saying, like, yeah, that's th- this is the future of cars <laughs> like yeah. that we're working on right now. What it reminds me of also is, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but the idea of rolling coal uh, where like dudes in big trucks will, I'm not sure exactly how it's done, but like you reroute your oil to go into the, into the gas also so that when you want to, you can just send out this giant plume of black smoke on the highway. Uh, and they do this to trigger the libs that they see driving like a Prius or whatever. Um, when, I mean, it's, it's kind of like having, you know, a, a motorcycle with no muffler on it. Like you think you're being a badass and everybody else is just like, ah, oh, what a, dipshit you know it's really annoying um but what it what it reminds me of is the idea of do-gooder derogation where um like this it's it's one of the theories about like why people who are opposed to vegetarianism are so opposed to vegetarianism it's not just because it's not in any way because it threatens them except to the extent that they know that they're making the worst choice and it makes them mad. It's a, a form of uh, like cognitive dissonance, right? Where it's like this person's doing something virtuous and I'm not doing it. Therefore, they're wrong. Gotcha. All right, moving on. So much energy. I'm not sure what to say about this one. It's just, it's not tied to anything. Yeah, I think they're just, you know, that's like a, a laugh about how, you know, libs think that green energy is plentiful, you know, as if the sun and wind exist. Hey, you know, what come ha- on. What happens if you use up all the sunlight? You know. Yeah. What about at night, Libs? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. All right. Roasted. Next one. Next one. We'll just print more money. Now, this is obviously a this is a direct dig at uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and uh, anybody who's been promoting modern monetary theory, which is simply that. Tax revenues and government spending are not tied together the way that your household budget is. That, you know, the the American government has the credit and the natural resources to just be able to put money into the economy um, without without it having being backed up by, you know, say gold or something like that. I thought this was a dig at didn't Trump literally say, like, let's just print money one time? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. So who's Gary, the target? <laughs> so Gary Cohn, uh, who used to be the director of the White House National Economic Council, 
you know, was in a meeting of with Trump and he was like, hey, man, the tax cut, it's really going to mess up the deficit and stuff. And then Trump goes, well, why don't you just print more money to, to fix the debt? Um, yeah. That's isn't that isn't that what you do? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought that was just a total dig on Trump. I guess they were thinking about it another way. Um, I think uh, I think AOC was on. I don't remember one of the one of the cable news channels recently and said, like, we can pay for this because tax revenues aren't how government gets its money, really, um, which everybody took her to town for. And then a bunch of MMT people came out and they're like, actually, she's totally right. And we've been saying this for like 20 years. But well, right, because I think, you know, I'm not really sure how we'll just print more money as an attack on the Green New Deal, because I'm pretty sure that's not the plan that they outlined. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> the plan was to tax the rich, which is is not printing money. Um, that, that, money's, that money's already out yep, there. That's it's accounted not getting for. used. Yep. It's just lining Jeff Bezos's, you know, pockets or whatever, you know, getting him the newest, greatest iPhones for him to take his dick pics with or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, let's actually put that money to some use. Sure. All right, moving on. We're almost done here. It says, beyond the possible or rational. Well, that's definitely true. The Green New Deal is paradise. Also true. Knocking it out of the park here. And then ends with this amazing black and white shot of what appears to be a white businessman in a suit drowning in the surf. Again, very positive yep. imagery. Yeah. The surf looks very clean. <laughs> and and again, raises the question of, is this ad in favor of or against the Green New Deal? Because I think most of its advocates recognize one of two things, possibly both. It's possible to believe both of these things. One, that rich white businessmen should be drowned in the ocean. And two... That if we don't do something about climate change, all of the rich white businessmen are going to drown in the ocean anyway. Well, not I mean, not the richest, whitest ones. No, sure. They'll, they, they'll have their bunkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll have their mega yachts with smaller yachts in them <laughs> right. with IMAXs on them. And they'll be they'll be fine because they're like, you know, let the oceans rise. It's just giving me more you know area to just tool around. Uh, in my solar-powered yacht. I didn't get a gas yacht because I'm not an idiot. Yeah. You know, I know that that's not going to be around, so I got the solar panels out. Of course, there. yeah. Never saw Waterworld, any of these people, I guess. Did you see Waterworld? They're coming out with the, like, 20th anniversary edition with, like, an extra 40 minutes of Waterworld. Oh, nice. If you couldn't get enough Waterworld before. 40 <laughs> more minutes. Well, at any rate, Dan Crenshaw... Um, Thank you for, for keeping one eye out for this really good content for us. Well, and uh, thanks to Rep. Mark Walker for uh, putting out a, a totally fire ad yeah. for the for the Green New Deal. I, you know, I was for it I'm before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sharing this around going like, hell yeah, this whips ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm ready for AOC to like actually do Fire Festival for real and just like send all the profits to fucking Greenpeace or something. Yeah. Like, let's get this shit done. <laughs> like, let's take a break. We'll take it out on a high note for you, as if that weren't high enough.
jump onto the train. It's a free new deal. Goodbye, airplane. Jump onto the train. It's a free new deal. So I actually have a rare dilemma this week. Yeah. In that I have two high notes and I'm not sure which one to go with. So oh. let's just see which one, you know, kind of tickles your fancy. So we've got okay. Amazon totally face planting and bailing on New York <laughs> because AOC scared him off, I guess. And also Ron Wyden, the senator from Oregon, filing a bill to uh, federally legalize marijuana as Senate Bill 420, baby. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, of course. That's Those are both real, actual stories from the real news. It's not actually Senate Bill 420, though. Of course it is. I mean, I think you just get to make up whatever the fuck number you want. So, like, it's oh, not cool. like it goes in order or anything. So, <laughs> I was actually reading one of these articles where it talked about there was a House bill... 420 that was similar that's amazing i bet it's like you have to number them in order unless the number is so high that you know that they'll never get to it in the legislative session so high the (laughs) highest number the highest number you could get both pretty positive stories and ones that i was a little surprised at you know i'm glad that both of these things happened two positive things in one week it's crazy yeah i'm not sure what more there is to be said about the uh legalizing weed bill because i mean that literally has just become a no-brainer for a huge portion of the electorate everybody knows that it's stupid including Republican yeah. side. Yeah. Everyone knows that it's really dumb to have it illegal at a federal level. There's so much research that could be opened up, money saved in law enforcement and incarceration. That's part of the Green New Deal that they didn't tell you about. Once we kill all the cows, we're just taking that land over and we're planting weed, baby. That's why they call it the Green New Deal. <laughs> oh, oh, you figured out the secret Nailed code. It. But yeah, I think the uh, I think the New York and Amazon thing is really interesting. Uh, I know you were being glib about AOC being totally responsible for it, but it bears pointing out that a lot of the pushback that they got was uh, community activism. People who were worried about um, a the amount of money that was being redirected from things like repairing public infrastructure. Uh, to these tax subsidies that they were going to give Amazon and also serious concerns about gentrification and how the people coming in to work for Amazon were going to raise rent prices and push out people living in historic neighborhoods. And AOC even went on Twitter today as somebody said, you know, how, how much can we overstate AOC's contribution to keeping Amazon from opening up this headquarters? And she said, uh, a lot, actually. This was on-the-ground activism. Like, I, I stand with them, but uh, I don't deserve much of the credit for it. it. It's pretty crazy that this happened because I think the weirdest thing about it is that it would be predictable that there would be a Democratic backlash 
if this was some sort of like Republican orchestrated deal, but this really was not. I mean, almost everybody involved in the the deal making process in New York is a Democrat, ostensibly, right? Governor Cuomo. Big business Democrats. I I heard him described as Rockefeller Republicans lately, and I think that works really well. The head of uh, Amazon's, like, uh, policy department is former Obama press secretary Jay Carney. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Who is apparently in charge of uh, getting this deal done. Who has an incredibly fitting name, because that's basically what he was for Obama and what he is for Amazon is just like a carnival barker. Again, this deal was something where the craziest thing about it is that Amazon was basically running the Hunger Games of corporate malfeasance in America to say, what municipality can prostrate themselves enough at the feet of Amazon that we will bequeath upon them a facade of steel and glass full of robots. <laughs> <laughs> right. We talked about it extensively on a past uh, episode, you know, uh, cities coming to them and going like, you'll be able to pay your employees only in company script that they have to spend there at Amazon. We'll legitimately give Amazon like veto power over our laws. Yeah, uh, right. Oh, was like what it, some of the, the cities were doing. The one from Nebraska, they wanted uh, one of the state legislators wanted to basically just give a bunch of land out by Carney to Amazon and let Amazon run it as their own like sovereign territory, not subject Correct. to <laughs> the laws of Nebraska. <laughs> Yeah, just absolutely insane. Yeah, the more I learned about this, the actual workings of this deal, the more shocked I became that people who call themselves Democrats are still out there defending this deal as a good deal for anybody. Right. Because they were ready to give Amazon almost $3 billion in public funds Yep. for Amazon to build their headquarters there in New York. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty mind-blowing, right? That you would pay a company $3 billion, all kinds of tax incentives and special tax cuts and tax breaks. And, oh, you don't have to pay taxes for this type of thing. And your land is designated as blighted so that we actually pay you to take over this land. Yeah, they were offering something like $42,000 per job created. Uh, which, by the way, is probably more money than... Hypothetical job. <laughs> which is probably more money than your average uh, Amazon employee actually takes home. <laughs> right. So they're making a profit on right. creating jobs in New York City. And then add to this the fact that Amazon, they made like $11 billion last year, yep. you know, doubling their previous year when they made like $5 billion. In those two years where they've made record profits, become the most profitable company on earth, made Jeff Bezos by far the richest man on earth, they have paid literally $0 in federal taxes Yep. that entire time by exploiting tax loopholes. And yet they're still going to pay them $3 billion on top of not having to pay taxes for them to bestow a headquarters in your city. Yeah, it's despicable. They have to build it somewhere, right? Or or not, apparently, because they're not even going to build it now. And they're saying, well, we're just not even going to build it anywhere. So it's like, well, I guess maybe you didn't need to do this in the first place. No, they just wanted a handout. They just wanted to see what they could get for floating this offer around. Right. Reveals to me the entire thing that this is just crony capitalism, because if this was real capitalism, 
then they would say like, oh, well, we're not going to get $3 billion. Well, we'll do it anyway because it makes business sense for us. Sure. But they were like, no, this actually doesn't make business sense for us at all. We just wanted $3 billion for nothing. And now that we're not going to get $3 billion for nothing, well, you know, we didn't actually need this deal at all. It's like, what the fuck? What kind of company are you running that this is what's happening? You're literally running scams on municipalities to just scam them out of money. It's like that Foxconn deal in Wisconsin. One of the things that really struck me was uh, this this talking point that you were seeing from a lot of bootlickers inside the Democratic Party uh, kind of media establishment saying like, look, 70% of New Yorkers were in favor of this, only 30% opposed. And it's like, okay, let's get a map of New York out and figure out which neighborhoods were opposed to this thing. O- opposed to what, right? Because do they know the details of this or did they just say like, hey, what what do you think about Amazon, you know, putting a big thing here? And they're like, oh, that sounds fine. Yeah, yeah sure. That, there's lots of companies put stuff here. Like, sure, br- bring it on. But Absolutely. like when they actually understand the details of it, would it still be that same number? I'm not so sure. We're glad for this development. Congratulations to the on-the-ground activists who put up such opposition to this that uh, Amazon opted not to go there. You know, Amazon, you're always welcome to your own sovereign nation uh, in the middle of Nebraska. I, I think that offer is still probably on the table. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll probably double that offer now. Um, they'll give you <laughs> half the state, you know, as long as you bring in that sweet, sweet Bezos money. Right. That's an excellent high note. Mine is not nearly so intellectual and, and heady as yours was. <laughs> Um, and I, I don't like to make light of, you know, violence or, you know, emergency situations. These can be very traumatic for people. And so it was distressing to see that in Wichita, Kansas, they had to evacuate a Home Depot because of a bomb threat until it turned out that the bomb threat was not a bomb threat. It was just a guy who went into the men's bathroom and said, quote, Y'all need to get out of here because I'm fixing to blow it up. <laughs> uh, isn't that the epitome of white privilege? <laughs> to, to be able to go in and which, which one make a, a veiled bomb threat or threaten to completely destroy a bathroom in right. public? Can you imagine if some like Muslim dude was just like, yo, I'm about to blow it up in this bathroom. Right. Some white dude in Home Depot would probably just shoot him right there. And oh, yeah. just be like, oh, I did everybody a favor. You would never find out that the guy just really needed to take a shit. Uh, he would just be dead at that point. The headline would be like local hero, you know, saves Home <laughs> right. Depot from violent terrorist attack. Biological terrorism. Yeah. When, when our good guy with the gun like shot the terrorist, he ended up shitting his pants for five minutes, which, you know, <laughs> just add insult to injury. Anyway, I thought that was too funny not to share. That's that's my high note, uh, taking it totally down in the gutter. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for bringing this show back to its roots. You know, <laughs> it's not always about the high minded ideals and the nature of uh, capitalism versus workers. Sometimes you just got to drop a bomb on it. <laughs> Well, we'll be dropping bombs, as usual, on our Twitter account, at liquid underscore flannel, if you want to follow us there. Uh, we'll, we'll post that hilarious Green New Deal video also. You, you have to check it out. It's too good. Yeah, check it out, and then watch the Fire Festival documentary to just fully understand the dangers of environmentalism. <laughs> it's the real killer out there. And meanwhile, you can follow us in- individually on the Twitters. I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm at Matt the Great with a W, and my co-host Brendan Williams is on Twitter also. 
I'm on Twitter at Brendan Williams with one L. I didn't know if we would have a full episode. I was like, maybe this will be a short episode. I don't know what we got to talk about. But man, we did it. We ripped through it. That Firefest thing is going to take us all the way to the bank. <laughs> We're going to be printing our own money on that. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm gonna be drowning <laughs> in a wave of, of hot takes. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.